what is going on guys you should already know who i am by the sound of my voice it's your boy rico t and welcome back to triple l nerdcast pop culture podcast by a nerd who loves nerds and it's cool to be a nerd which is also how we got the name thanks to the movie revenge of the nerds triple l is also the lambda 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 nerdcast but i can't use that so triple l that's what i'm going with what's up guys Hope everybody's doing alright, sorry for the wait between the episodes, I had some personal matters going on, but I'm back, I'm in full effect, and I am raring to go. Hope everybody's been doing good. We've got a fun little episode going on for you today, we're going to be talking James Bond. Uh, some of the history, we're going to go through the actors, and probably some other facts that maybe some people didn't know about the actors. Uh, I definitely want to get into the rankings of worst to best. Which I found, which was absolutely crazy. Um, I found a bunch of different websites that all pretty much had these same lists. So I just, the final one that I ended up looking at, I just went with that. And then we're going to talk about some hopefuls uh, for the new James Bond. And uh, then we're going to quickly discuss a new path for the podcast, so to speak. And uh, yeah, that's what we're going to do, guys. So get ready to get into James Bond. Alright, so before anything, before we can even get into James Bond, we need to talk a little bit about the author. And the author of James Bond was Ian Fleming, born May 28, 1908, Green Street, London, United Kingdom, and he died August 12, 1964, in Canterbury, United Kingdom. Dude, so this guy is uh, obviously a British author, but he is iconic he is he's legendary he is i mean he's in the pantheon of great writers i mean when i don't know about you guys but when i think of spies and i think of spy movies and like what i imagine spies to be i kind of switch between two and i mean not necessarily switch between two but it's more like i have an american and a british thought and i mean when it comes to the american obviously it's got to be tom cruise and the Mission Impossible movies. The dude's just dope. I mean, that is that is such a great series in itself. But then when it comes to British, I mean, you just, you, you gotta go with James Bond. And if you don't go with James Bond, then you, my friend, have no idea what it is to be a spy. And we just don't accept that here. Because if, if some little part of you really doesn't want to be a spy, like, what happened to you? That used to be like a dream for every kid. That's what we say if you didn't want to be a spy. Either way, we're going to go ahead and get into this. I love James Bond. I've seen all the movies. They were all absolutely fantastic. I'm going with the rankings list. I kind of say that I do. I, I would kind of have to agree. I think some other movies will be, you know, wrong place. But that's just my personal opinion. We're not here for that. We're here for facts. So um, first off, what I want to do is I want to go ahead and... <clears throat> excuse me. I went ahead and I want to get into the James Bond actors as well as let you guys know that James Bond was a character who was created in 1953 by Ian Fleming. And we're going to get into the actors who played him. Now, there are... Uh, I saw a couple things that said six, seven actors. It was actually eight. Technically nine, and I'll explain why I say te technically nine. But the first actor for James Bond was actually... 
Barry Nielsen, and that was in 1954 in a made-for-TV special of Casino Royale. After him, Sean Connery ended up taking over the role from 1962 to 1967. Which is weird considering this next actor on the list, because even though Connery was still in that role, David Niven actually played... Uh, James Bond in 1967 in a full theater presentation of Casino Royale. Now, after that, we have one other actor who played in just one James Bond movie, which was George Lazenby, which was Her Majesty's Secret Service, done in 1969. That one was actually one of my favorites, hands down. Uh, That movie was just so dope. Next, we have Roger Moore, who, after a couple years, took over the role. From 74 to 85, he was the longest-running Bond. After uh, Roger Moore, we have Timothy Dalton, who started in 86 and ended in 1994. And then, as you know, after that, we have Pierce Brosnan, Daniel Craig, and a soon-to-be-hopeful. Now, the reason that I said I have eight names here, but the reason that I said that there's actually nine is uh, from 1965... And 1966. So those two years, normally at the end of the Bond opening theme with the great theme songs, uh, you always see the you're looking down the side of the barrel, or you're looking down the barrel actually, and you see the actor who plays Bond there. Well, for some reason, in a few of these movies, they actually had him uh, shadowed out. So it basically, was just a shadow, and he kind of had a top hat on, or a bowler hat, one of those types of hats. But that one was actually not Sean Connery that you saw at the end of the barrel. That was a separate actor whose name, for some reason, I could not find. But I will find that for you guys and throw it in another episode. Believe me on that. So that's why I say that there's nine. Um, Yeah, really weird. But either way, so we're talking about James Bond. Now this dude has had... This dude's been all types of crazy missions. Um... This dude is just, he's one of the coolest dudes ever. He just, he really is. And honestly, and I know I want to get into this. I want people to comment back, whether it be on this, whether it be on the Twitter page, which, you know, I'll plug that at the end. That way, you know, I can keep getting that out there. Um, Pierce Brosnan, hands down, was one of my favorites. Bond, one of my favorites as Bond. Um, Obviously, I love Sean Connery. Uh, I really liked Roger Moore. I know a lot of people didn't because those were actually considered some of the, you know, worst Bond movies. Um, George Lazenby, obviously, hands down, but Pierce Brosnan was always my dude. I just, to me, he could be suave when he needed to be, you know, charming and all that. Then he could, you know, he could be serious and then, you know, he can he could whoop some ass. And then I love his one-liners. Like, those are just uh, his delivery on them. And his expressions, too. It just... It goes so well for me now. I've been called out on this by a friend of mine who will be on a future episode that, uh... I'm not really a big Daniel Craig fan. And, I mean, we discussed it. And to me... To me, Daniel Craig... Now, don't get me wrong. He's a great Bond. Um, He does have some one-liners in there, but... To me, I loved that Pierce Brosnan could encompass everything that, you know, I I imagined Bond to be, as well as how I felt that he was portrayed in the books. 
you know, I felt that he could, he had all those qualities in one. And I feel that Daniel Craig is more of like, kind of like when they did those Bond movies, they were kind of going off the, uh, kind of like a Jason Bourne type where, you know, it was, to me, it wasn't so much, I mean, it was a spy series of movies, but to me, it was just more action. Like, there was plot and all that good stuff, but, I mean, there was just not, there is such thing as too much action, and I feel that Daniel Craig is just a kick-in-the-door-shoot-shit-up type of James Bond, and I don't know, I'd, I like that Pierce Brosnan was different about it. I just, I love the way that he did it. I mean, the dude was dope. I mean, he only did the four movies, but hey. Goldeneye, fantastic. Uh, World is not enough. Nah. Uh, World is not enough. Tomorrow Never Dies was actually pretty dope. And then there was Die Another Day, but um, yeah, we're going to get into that too. So, um, yeah, those are the eight actors who played Bond. Pierce Brosnan, hands down, one of my favorites. Uh, we're getting ready to see No Time to Die, which actually is Bond number 25, technically 26, because everybody forgot about the made-for-TV movie. But uh, Bond 25, No Time to Die, which was supposed to be slated to be released November 11th, but actually got pushed back to April 2nd of 2021. Um... Again, I'm not a fan of Daniel Craig as Bond, but I will say that uh, because it's Bond, I did watch his movies. And I mean, they were good. They were good movies, just, you know, like I previously explained. But I don't know what it was about one of the trailers that I saw for No Time to Die that it just, it, it really, it really captivated me and it really piqued my interest in a way that like, because I can see movies and I can, you know, see trailers like, okay, I want to watch this. But, you know, that's what I'll say is I want to watch this. But I'm talking about, and if you guys, you know, love movies, then you know that feeling when you see a trailer and it's not, I want to watch this or, oh, this looks good. It's, I have to see this. And something about that trailer captivated me and I just, I have to see it. It's Daniel Craig's last outing too. You always want to be there for the last outing of these characters. I mean, you've already been through their entire arc with them, so you might as well stick through till the end, especially if you're a true Bond fan. Which, I mean, not a fan of Daniel Craig, but I'm a true Bond fan, so it doesn't matter who they put in... No, actually, it does matter who they will put in the role, because I'm going to tell you guys right now. And I'm not watching Bond. I'm not even going to watch the Batman movies that he's in, and on a later episode, I'm going to explain to you guys how much of a DC fan I am. But I am definitely, definitely... Not doing this if Pat, if Pattinson's in it. I can't do it. I mean, okay, he was Cedric Diggory, Harry Potter movies, dope. Twilight, yeah, I watched them, yeah, it was garbage. Um, horrible, hot garbage. Books were so much better, so. I mean, and the books always are better, but I feel they really flipped it up. Just hot garbage. But, um... Yeah, I can't I can't see Pattinson in that role and then there's a there's a hopeful for it that I'm going to get into too and I just I can't see I can't see myself wanting this guy for the role either. So, yeah, we're going to go for that, but right now guys, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go ahead and pull up this list real quick, which is all 24 James Bond movies, you know, 24 because we don't acknowledge one apparently for some reason, and they're going to be ranked from worst to best 
Now, on another episode too, what I'm going to do in the future is I've uh, I've got a friend of mine who we we ask each other these really thought provoking questions as movie fans because you know we actually do have an honest and deep love of movies. So we want to get into some rankings too. So I definitely want you guys to touch back on other episodes and listen to things that we've talked about. And we can make polls out of anything. So I know we definitely want to do, say, like, eh, the Mount Rushmore Bonds or, like, uh, the next episode that I'm going to do. We're going to be talking about Stephen King. And I want you guys to opinionate on that, too. But I'll get into that afterwards. But, you know, ranking the, you know, your top five Bond girls or, you know, something like that. We're, we want to do things like this because we want you guys to get involved with it. I want you guys to get involved with it. And I feel it's good to see so many different perspectives of people who are movie fans. So with that being said, let's get into this list real quick. Every James Bond movie ranked from worst to best. So it says here that the Bond franchise spans 24 movies with six actors. Of course, they're missing Three. So we're going to go ahead and get into this review. Now, I said that I found a few different um, lists and they all had said the same thing. So this one, um, I can actually copy this link and post it to the Twitter in case you guys want to see it too. But this was the very last one that I got to, which was Reader's Digest Canada. And they also agreed with a bunch of different um, sites here in the States uh, on this list. So that's why I went with this one, because like I said, it was the last one that I got to. So we're going to go ahead and just dive right in. Um, I'm going to go down, and if I can see why they didn't like it, I mean, I'll get into that. If not, then I'll let you guys know. So the first one, and what I mean by the first is number 24 at the worst movie, is Die Another Day from 2002. This one I kind of agree with. So their problem with this movie was the fact that they think that Halle Berry played a horrible Bond girl, which, I mean, she's hot think she did good but what I really consider her a Bond girl and eh, that's a tough one and I love the fact that they did throw a bunch of odes to like previous Bond films throughout the movie it was great but it also kind of just like threw it off now what I mean by that too is this movie had now mind you again Pierce Brosnan is one of my favorite I love his one-liners but even to me this had more of a comedic feel and this website says that it's basically a parody of James Bond as Austin Powers, released five years earlier. And without the laughs. Which, I mean, is kind of right. It wasn't... They try to be more comedic in this one. And I don't know. I didn't like it. And if you have to throw Madonna in there, I'm sorry. I can't. Madonna has no right to be acting. No reason to be acting, because... No. Moving on. Live and Let Die in 1972. Roger Moore... No, yeah. No, yeah. This was actually Roger Moore's first movie as James Bond. And they didn't like it because they said it was sleazy. Backdrops of glamorous and often far-flung destinations. It's a seedy, low-budget feel in a gritty Harlem setting. Damn. Savagery. So the next one on the list is number 22. And this one I wasn't surprised with that it's, you know, high up there on the worst list. Because it wasn't that great. And that is Spectre from 2015. Now, the reason I don't think it was that great was it just... It was just really weird. And I don't think... I mean, I know that it let off of Skyfall, but, I mean, it was weird. And I'm sorry, Dave Batista with some shiny fingernails. I was cool with you as Drax, dude, but now you're losing me. 
And then you've also got the villain secret lair in a crater. No holds barred brawl on a bored luxury train. Oh, yeah, that's typical. Yeah, I agree. 21, Tomorrow Never Dies. I don't agree with this. I thought this one was a great movie. I thought it was weird that they used uh, media. But at the same point, I kind of see it, especially in today's day and age, how everybody looks at the media and stuff like that. So, yeah. 21 is Tomorrow Never Dies, 1997. Number 20, The World Is Not Enough, 1999. They just do not like Brosnan. Christmas Jones, played by Denise Richards, was ridiculous. That's what they said. Hey, at least she's hot. But her name ranks among the silliest. It is a name that exists just to give the film its appallingly tacky last line. A bad double entendre that even the great Pierce Brosnan has difficulty selling. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, that was because that last line in the movie when he was like, oh, it's great. Like, I've always wanted to have Christmas in Turkey. <laughs> I get it. Uh, stupid. All right, number 19, Quantum of Solace in 2008. Sequel to 2004's Casino Royale, James Bond at his darkest and most driven. And it says it's more than a little jarring to see the serial womanizer reeling from a broken heart, which, yeah, I do have to kind of agree. And it's a hideously convoluted plot and a bland guest cast that fails to inspire a quantum of interest. Damn, these dudes are cold. Number 18, 1974 is The Man with the Golden Gun. Again, my boy Roger Moore. Ugh. So, after getting off to an abominable start in Live and Let Die. His bond doesn't fare much better in the slightly less tacky 4A set in Thailand. Damn, dude, but hey, Christopher Lee is the villain? Dope. I'm with it. He was actually the good part of the movie. So then number 17, Diamonds Are Forever, 1971. Which this one was Sean Connery's very last movie as Bond. And they say it isn't worth remembering in any great detail. Diamonds Are Forever sees the return of Spectre head honcho Ernst Stavero Blowfield. But since he's reduced to managing a sordid Las Vegas casino and impersonating an old woman to elude Bond, he's not quite the Machiavellian mastermind he once was. Yeah. I, I don't really remember that one. I only saw it maybe like twice. 16. License to Kill, 1989. Owing more to television's Miami Vice than the James Bond films before it, License to Kill is gritty, dark, and very nearly successful as a soft reboot of the franchise. And the plot involving Bond's going rogue to avenge the death of a CIA counterpart's wife is a welcome breath of fresh air, and it's wonderful to see Desmond Llewellyn's Q get a significant slice of action after 26 years of walk-on appearances. And speaking of that, may he rest in peace... And bow your heads to the legend, Desmond Llewellyn, because that dude was dope. Greatest cue ever. Loved it. Hands down. These new dudes are whack. 15. 1983's Octopussy. Yeah. Yeah, that one. Okay. Sure. I'm with it. Number 14. <laughs> a View to Kill, 1985. Where else but a mid-80s James Bond film would you find a cast list that included Christopher Walken, Grace Jones, and Patrick McNee? Largely reviled among Bong, Bond fandom, A View to Kill may be a mess, but not unlike its predecessor, Octopussy, it's a funness. 
Fun mess. The pilot, Watkins, mad as a hatter villain, wants to sink Silicon Valley to ensure a monopoly on Silicon is risable, but things move along so quickly there's no time to dwell on how dumb everything is. Alright. Breakneck pace could be credited to John Glenn's direction, but it's also largely down to John Barry's brilliant musical score, which includes a kick-ass theme song performed by Duran Duran. Yeah. Number 13, The Living Daylights. If Roger Moore took James Wan to outer space, and he did, literally, Timothy Dalton brings the character back down to Earth, and that's certainly not a bad thing. Dalton's restrained debut performance as Bond is largely regardless, regarded as the closest we'll ever get to the super spy of Ian Fleming's novels, but after the past 15 years of increasingly goofy Moore, it takes a bit of getting used to. Damn. 1967's You Only Live Twice. Although he's largely remembered for penning kittle-lit like Charlie in the Factory, writer Roald Dahl also contributed to the gem of a story of the Bond saga. That they become a cliché, the big bad's lair in a hollowed-out volcano, an evil third party stirring up war between the East and the West by gobbling up their respective spacecraft. Even the defining image of Spectre's blowfield as bald and hideously scarred was established in this em- Vicious flick. 11. For Your Eyes Only in 1981, a genuine oddity for Your Eyes Only has earned the distinction of being the Roger Moore James Bond flick that actually takes itself seriously. Not only does Bond dispose of Blowfield and Once for All in the pre-credit sequence, no less, he also seems more secret agent than superhero for the first time in ages. Alright. Number 10, Moonraker, 1979. Ultimate guilty pleasure of the James Bond franchise, the plot is an uninspired rehashing of The Spy Who Loved Me, released a mere two years previously. Final act consists of a laser gun battle, in space, and memorably scary metal mouth batty Jaws. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about Jaws. Holy shnikes. Number nine. Of course, this one had to be high on the list, at least better towards the better side, because I love this one. 1995's Golden Eye, Pierce Brosnan. Ah, my dude. Shout out to you, Brosnan. You the man. His debut was 007. It's the part he was born to play, something he reportedly would have done a decade earlier if it weren't for his commitments to TV's Remington Steel. Brosnan's James Bond banishes the dreary Dalton in favor of nonstop action, sparkling dialogue, and a refreshingly straightforward plot. Too bad he peaked out early with GoldenEye. Subsequent three entries are relegated to the bottom quarter of this list. Number 8, Dr. No in 1962. To write off, it's tempting to write off the film that launched a James Bond legacy as a prologue and a mere laying of groundwork that just hints at the glory days to come. But that would be completely unfair to everything that Dr. No does write. A list that's as long as the number of films it spawned. John Barry's iconic James Bond theme, cinema's all-time great casting choices and Sean Connery, of course, Ursula Andress setting the standard by which all Bond girls would be judged, and the exotic location in the form of sun-soaked Jamaica. And the introduction of Spectre. It's pretty dope. Number 7, The Spy Who Loved Me. 77, slick, sexy, and sublimely directed. Spy Who Loved Me is easily the best James Bond film of the 70s, and the one that still manages to impress to this day. It's actually a pretty dope movie. For the first time in the Moore era, it looks as though no expense has been spared, from the impressive sets to the globe-spanning nature of the narrative, which takes Bond from the ruins of ancient Egypt to Sardinia, 
with some filming and Nunavut thrown in, would you believe? Pretty dope. Number six, Thunderball, 1965. Underwater camera work, which was dope. Bond comfortably riding the wave of its 60s popularity. Sean Connery is at the height of his powers, and even the slightly overlong first act, which sees his Bond recuperating at a health spa. Alright. Still a dope movie. Number five, Casino Royale. Casino Royale was actually dope. I just watched that the other night. 2006, one of the litmus tests of great James Bond movie is the question, which would some... What would someone who'd never seen a Bond flick think of this film? It was dope. The original was dope. This one was dope. Daniel Craig did his thing. Coming out there... Uh, oh, no. There was one in 2004. Haha. <laughs> I lied. This one was a dope movie. No, this was... Wasn't it? Yeah. So, wait... Oh, uh, yeah, no, they're... Yeah, they're wrong. So, yeah, they've got this all wrong. So, earlier, if you guys men saw it, I didn't catch this. But they said that uh, Quantum of Solace was the sequel to 2004's Casino Royale. And now they're saying it's from 2006. Sure. Why not? They don't know what the fuck they're doing. Canada. I believe that, I think. So the follow-up to Dr. No is what comes in at number four from Russia with Love, 1963. Builds on the strengths of that film by tossing in James Bond first proper romance and fleshing out the threat of Spectre in the form of three truly memorable adversaries. Gives us big league creeps who have taken a master class in villainy. It's here that we get our first glimpse of Bond's ultimate foe, terrorist kingpin Ernst Stavero Blofield, and he's ably or not so ably as it turns out, abetted by the venomous Rosa Klebb with her dagger-tipped kicks, and psychopathic strongman Red Grant, a triumvirate of evil that's so despicable you'll be cheering their demise at the film's conclusion. Number three, this one does belong in the in the top three. Skyfall 2012. Skyfall was a dope James Bond movie. I loved it. Um, um, again, it's just he does good, but this one was this one was crazy because it took me for a loop. And it's also the last movie with Judy Dench as M, which I loved her as M. She was she was great, man. So I was sad to see her go, and then of course Sam Mendes directed it, which you know I do did the damn thing on that. Javier Bardem was there as the villain. He's creepy, so I like that. Yeah, buddy. Number two, we have Goldfinger at 1964. Three movies in, and the James Bond series delivers one of its undisputed classics in Goldfinger. So effortless is Connery's performance, it's easy to see why. Fifty years on, he's still inextricably linked with the role. Yeah, definite, definitive portrayal of 007, debonair and dangerous in equal measure. I cannot agree more. I cannot agree more. And now we're going to hit the number one spot, which this one I do have to agree with because, again, this movie was so well done. Um, this dude was crazy for doing this part. Um, so number one is 1969's On Her Majesty's Secret Service. This was such a crazy movie. Like, this one was good, and it was it was the first time that Bond actually fell in love, which was really dope to see that because, I mean, you know, you got the womanizer side of him. But this one was kind of that one-off where it kind of, you wanted to see this. You know what I'm saying? Now, James Bond starting out with Daniel Craig, like I said, at the begin at, you know, further up in the list. Um, to see that in Quantum of Solace, he was reeling from, you know, having fallen in love and stuff like that. It's his first movie as James Bond. You got to womanize a little bit, dude. 
you got to get that a couple different times, a couple different women, then you're bond. Don't just go for the first girl with a weird name but a hot body. Can't do that. But despite the fact that this is one, in, this is the one everyone seems to forget. It boasts a shocking number of firsts for James Bond. Not only is it the first time he falls in love, it's the first and to date only time he ever gets married. It's the first time we see Bond played by someone who isn't Sean Connery. Likely the reason this remains the most unfairly overlooked entry in the series. Connery's successor, George Lazenby, isn't quite capable of filling his shoes. And there are moments in the film when his performance is woefully wooden. But the character is written so strongly here that the role is virtually actor-proof. Anything act lacking on Lazenby part is more than made up for by the dynamic Diana Rigg in the role of Tracy Draco, the lovable yet self-destructive daughter of an amiable mobster who later becomes the tragically short-lived Mrs. Bond. Having challenged virtually every convention already established in the series, the film continues to break the mold by pitting the doomed lovers against Blowfield's most audacious scheme in which he's using an allergy clinic as a front to turn a bevy of beautiful women into living carriers of a biological weapon. Toss in some breathtaking stunts that make full use of the snow-capped Alps setting, and you've got the makings of the best Bond film of them all. I'm with it. I agree. That is true. Nothing needs to be said. That is true. So that is the rankings, guys, of the worst two best James Bond movies. I do agree with some of that list. I don't agree with some of it. I want to know what you guys think. Give me your rankings, or even go ahead. Give me your favorite Bonds, your favorite Bond girls. Give me your favorite movies. Let's have discussions about this. We can actually do this on Twitter in the lives. So, next thing I want to get into with you guys is the hopefuls for James Bond. Now, I have a list of eight hopefuls so far. Uh, I'm going to throw in a couple that I think, you know, should really get looked at. And then, uh, first off, Danny DeVito. I'm down for this. Danny DeVito as James Bond would be absolutely fantastic. So let's go ahead and get into this list of eight. And first, we have Idris Elba, known for The Wire, Luthor, Luther, and playing Heimdall and Thor. I actually think Idris Elba would be dope. Um, a lot of people have an issue with the fact that he's black. It's 2020, come on. Did you guys not see Gods of Egypt? One of them was Gerard Butler. Dude, Scottish. They had nothing going on in Egypt Egypt at that time. So, don't try me with that. So, next you've got Tom Hardy. Ah, no. I feel that Tom Hardy's a little too rugged for this. That's just me. I mean, I know he's, you know, a method and he can, you know, change up how he is and how he looks and stuff like that. But, I don't know about Hardy. I mean, he's good, but, yeah. He's known for The Revenant, Mad Max, Venom, Lawless, uh, Bane and the Dark Knight Rises. Next we have, definitely not my favorite on this list, Tom Hiddleston, known for The Night Manager and for the Marvel and Avengers movies as Loki. I think this dude is too comedic. I know that he can do drama and stuff like that, but I don't, I don't think that he's fit for this role. That's just me. Um, next up, we have Richard Madden, who I didn't know who he was at first when I heard the name, and something kept eating at me about it, and then I was like, where have I seen him before? And then I remembered, of course, and I'm going for this just because I think the dude's fantastic, and it was such a great show. He's famous for Game of Thrones, Rob Stark, yo, I'm with it! Rob Stark, and they need to give him a part where he just gets at somebody with a sword. That'd be dope. Next, we have Henry Cavill, who is 
famous for playing The Witcher, Netflix's The Witcher, uh, Geralt of Rivia. He's also famous for playing Kal-El in the modern reboot of Superman. And he's also famous for another movie, which a lot of people don't realize, too, was such a great one, minus the villain. But he played in a movie uh, based in Greek mythology called Immortals, which came out around the same time as Clash of the Titans and Wrath of the Titans. It was a dope movie, though. Um, if you guys haven't seen it, check it out. It's Immortals. It's fucking dope. Flipping dope. So next we have James Norton, who I don't know too much about him just because I haven't been on my BBC shows, but apparently he's been having a good rise to fame in the BBC show War and Peace. Next we have Aiden Turner, who is famous for a BBC show that has thrown him and catapulted him into fame, which is Poldark. Next one that we have is Damian Lewis, who is famous for Homeland. I just put that on one of my lists because I heard it's such a great show, so I need to watch that. And then we have Daniel Kaluuya, who, or Kaluuya, excuse me, who uh, played the lead character in Get Out, and he also played Okoye's love interest slash Black Panther's best friend, whose name escapes me, in Black Panther. Um, so that is the list of hopefuls. Uh, I'm definitely down for Elba. Definitely there for Madden. I'd have to learn more about Norton, Turner, and Lewis. I'm I'm not uh, I'm not for Kaluuya. I don't think he's there yet. Uh, Cavill, I think would be good. Uh, I think he's I think he'd be more of like a pretty boy Bond. But I mean, he showed that he can be actionable, not just in the DC movies or even in the movie Immortals, but. He was a semi-villain in Mission Impossible Fallout, so that one was pretty dope. Uh, I'm definitely going to go to a no to Hiddleston. He's too comedic for it, at least in my opinion. Uh, yes to Danny DeVito. Danny DeVito needs a shot at this, guys. He's ready. And then another hopeful that I want to throw in is, I know a lot of people aren't going to agree with me, um, but I know a couple people that do. I think Ewan McGregor would be great as a Bond. I mean, he's getting up there in age, but... I think he'd be pretty good. Uh, another one that would have actually been good if he wasn't the king of straight-to-DVD would have been Scott Adkins. I could have actually seen Adkins in that role. Yeah. I'm with it. Hell no to Robert Pattinson. That's what we're going with on that note because that's just not going to happen. We cannot allow that to happen, guys. He's already ruining Batman. Just agree with me on this. Let's just... If you don't, let me know why. We can discuss this on a live, you know what I'm saying? But that is it for this episode, guys. Thank you all for tuning in to Triple L Nerdcast. Once again, I'm your host, Rico T. Uh, you can definitely find us on Facebook at Triple L Nerdcast. You can also find us on Twitter at Trip L Nerds or just type in Triple L Nerdcast to find us on Twitter. So go ahead and look us up, and we will get back with you guys next time. I hope you guys have a good night. Sorry for the wait on these episodes, but I promise I'm back here in my little home studio, and we're going to get them cranking out. So as always, you guys, have a good night. Thanks for tuning in. Be easy, y'all.